everybody. Welcome. Thank you for coming this evening. You can, you can hear me okay? I'm all hooked up with, you know, Father Brian's usual mic. Um, my name's Jerry McKay. I think I know most of you here, so I do want to welcome you for coming here this evening. Um, for those of you who might not know me, I am the director of the elementary faith formation program um, here at St. Mary's, as well as at St. Ignatius, and at Our Lady of Miraculous Medal. And it's pretty much a combined program, which many of you know, because I either have had a lot of your children throughout the years, or um, currently have them. So welcome. We're very excited to introduce our new parent series on reimagining re religious education. Um, we think that this is sort of the wave of the future for religious education here at, at Beach Catholic. Um, you know, over the last few years, we've been kind of talking about ways that we can increase not only the children's faith, faith base, it's great, the kids come every week, and it's so exciting to have them, but you know, it seems like sometimes we're not quite as connected with the parents, sometimes we are, sometimes we aren't, and what I've been hearing from children and parents, mostly parents, throughout the years, um, is their children will come home and they'll say, you know, they'll say to me, you know, Miss Jerry, uh, my child comes home and they say to me, or I say to them, oh, what did you learn in, in religious ed uh, today or this week? And, and the child will, depending on the age, the child will either say, oh, nothing, or if they're cute and little, they'll be like, Jesus. Uh, and probably that's, Jesus is true. Nothing is not true. Um, so I think going in this direction and integrating that, that family component uh, will be so much, I think, more enriching, not only for your children, but also to increase your family faith base at home. And it's our hope that moving forward, nights like this, whether we're here in a church, having discussions, or listening to keynote speeches, watching some videos, and having some adult interaction, we're hoping that some of what you can get here, um, you'll be able to take it back to your child. So almost like the reverse. When you go home, maybe they'll say, oh, what did you do at you know, religion or church um, tonight? But our hope is also that in, in the coming months when we do a few of these, it, won't, it will certainly have the ch in-church component, but we also want to add some facilitative tools and actions to it that you'll be able to go back and really interact with faith with your child at home. So we might even have some of the sessions over in the, in the hall as well and um, do some fun things with you also. For tonight, we're here in the church, actually over in the hall, our awesome Beach Catholic Outreach um, Center is, has been collecting food and handing out Thanksgiving baskets all week, so we're here in the church tonight, 
and in a few minutes you're going to hear from Mr. Mike Griffin, who is my colleague, and he is the director of the middle school program, which I help out with, but he's the director on Sunday nights. Some of you may have um, children who go to mass in class, or perhaps this year your children might be online. And then we'll also be hearing from Father Brian as well. But before I turn it over to them, I just kind of want to leave you with um, a couple of other things. I already talked about why we think moving forward this is the new way for us here at Beach Catholic to be more connected not only to the children, but to families, and for families to be more connected and have a better faith base at their home. But I've also seen over the last few months with the pandemic, um, a very interesting shift with so many of you. It's been incredible. Um, when everything shut down in March, um, Mr. Mike Griffin and I both started sending things out to our different levels of grades. And some of the things I sent out were just very simple one-liners. This week, think about how Jesus fits in your family. Where do you see Jesus in your family? Um, when you walk down the street, where do you feel God? Those type of things. And maybe I sent out a little video with it or a song. But what suddenly started to happen last year at the end when religious ed was so abruptly stopped by COVID, I started to hear from all of you, the parents, and the wonderful things that you are now doing at home, interacting because it's such a scary time, as we know, with this virus. And so many of you reached out and said, this is really important. This is so important. And being able to interact with my children has been a gift. And so first of all, for those of you who reached out to me, I do want to say thank you, because it, it has been wonderful. And so what we tried to do with Religious Ed this year, since we could not have everybody in person, we had to do some online. So again, with my part of the program, which are the smaller children, I try to keep it, or I am trying to keep it as simplistic as possible, of course, still with you know, the doctrine of the church or things that they need to know, but things that it makes it easier for you to interact with them. And for those of you who your children are coming to me weekly, well, they're getting it as well. And so, so far it's been a great experience this year. And again, with this program, moving forward, the direction that we see this moving in with that, incorporating the family a little bit more, I only see faith on this barrier island taking off that much more. And the last thing that I want to leave you with is something a little bit more personal. I think most of you know I'm a mom. I have three children. I pretty much say that, I think, every time I stand up in front of everyone. And my children are a little older, probably, than most of your children. But I will tell you that faith at any level, faith at any grade, faith at any age is important. And the reason why I'm saying that is very simply, I grew up very religious, 
Some people do, some people don't, and that's okay. With this program, I feel like we're gonna meet everybody where they are currently in their life with Jesus and with their family's life in Jesus. But I did grow up rather religious, not everybody does, and you know what? You're probably sitting there saying, well, of course you grew up religious, Jerry, you're, you're the church lady now. But I fell away, I fell away a lot throughout my life, depending on my age, my level, what was going on in my life. And when I finally had my children, I did recommit myself to the church because I really did want my children to have that important faith background that when something challenging in their life does happen, they have that. They have Jesus to turn to. They have Jesus to look up to, to ask questions to, to pray to, all of that. And I will tell you at any level, my children's faith has probably varied, just like mine has. You know what? And currently I have two children in college and one graduated. I have one child right now who's going through a pretty tough time. And we recently had that faith discussion again. Because it doesn't matter if you're two, you're four, you're six, you're eight, you're 10, you're 18, you're 21. It's so important that when you're challenged in your life, you know that you have something there to rely on. And so I just wanted to leave you with that. It's a little bit personal for me, but everybody has challenges. Your children will have challenges. And if we can leave them with that understanding that Jesus is always there for, for them and that they don't need to despair, that's super important. So without that, I think I need to get off of the sanctuary area and, and introduce um, Mr. Mike Griffin, who's got some really good stuff for you guys tonight. Thank you. Thanks, Jerry. Um, so my name is Michael Griffin. I am uh, actually a full-time history teacher. I've taught in elementary school, middle school. I currently teach at uh, Chaminade High School. And I've been working down here for about five years uh, in faith formation with uh, high schoolers, uh, middle schoolers, and uh, now as director of the middle school program. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank everyone that's here. Um, your presence really speaks a lot to us. Um, I know I can speak for myself and Father Brian and, and Jerry and Tim. Like, it really means so much that you, you showed up tonight and that you're here. So thank you. Um, I want to start with a, a quick video that we're going to be able to uh, kind of go back on multiple times throughout this year whenever we meet on these nights. Uh, it's a classic uh, movie clip, movie scene. I'm not even going to introduce it or say what it is. I'm just going to have Jordan go ahead and play it. Creepy little monkey. You stop following me? Who are you? The question is, who are you? I thought I knew. Now I'm not so sure. Well, I know who you are. Shh, come here. It's a secret. Oh, enough already. What is that supposed to mean, anyway? It means you're a baboon. And I'm not. <laughs> I think you're a little confused. Wrong. I'm not the one who's confused. You don't even know who you are. Oh, and I suppose you know. Sure do. 
You're Mufasa's boy. Bye. Hey, wait. You knew my father? Correction, I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again. <laughs> He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No! Look hard. You see? He lives in you. like the winds are changing. Ah, uh, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can't hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or Learn from it. Ah! You see? So what are you going to do? First, 
gonna take your stick. No, 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 no! Not your stick! Hey! Where are you going? I'm going back! There, there's something about Rafiki's laugh. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, such a timeless, timeless movie, um, probably because that movie is based off of our faith uh, and the message of our faith. And I think that scene kind of sums up everything that we want um, our children to know, the children that walk into our, our doors uh, for religious ed and the children that are home with you, that um, to remember who you are, to know that, you know, you are a child of God, you are a son, a daughter of God, you are loved, and that we have to remember God. Um, in order to live the best life that God intended us to live, we have to remember him consistently throughout our lives. So we're trying to find a way to reimagine religious education. When we look at the statistics um, from recent studies that have come out, the fastest growing religion in America um, isn't really a set religion. It's uh, at the, in the survey at the bottom. Uh, it's none, N-O-N-E. 23% of Americans classify themselves as nuns, which doesn't mean they don't believe in God. It just means that they don't believe in anything. Um, beliefs and faith is irrelevant to them. Um, it's not really, doesn't really matter to them. It doesn't concern them. So 23% of Americans willingly say, like, I'm none. I don't believe in anything. There's nothing to believe in. It doesn't matter to me. And 74% of people who leave their faith, uh, the median age is 13 years old uh, for people who leave their faith with no intention of coming back. So we have this dichotomy of 23% of Americans saying they don't believe in anything. And at the same time, in 2020, we live in an age of the most technology we've ever had. Uh, we have our phones. We have a high standard of living. And at the same time, we have, uh, there's never been a moment in time where more people are on antidepressants, where people are more depressed, where suicide rates are growing, um, and people are more unhappy than ever in 2020, yet they have the most at their disposal. And, you know, when we look at these statistics, even in going to college, there are studies done in 2019 at a major uh, university where students were asked to rank their mental uh, stability, either above average, average, or below average. And 52% said that their mental stability is below average at a major university. There is, in my eyes, it's, it's as clear as day that there's a direct correlation between the growing number of nuns, people who don't believe in anything, and this mental instability, this depression, this unhappiness. And I see it as a teacher. Um, I've been in the classroom for about nine or 10 years, and there has been a difference, like as technology has gotten better and better and more and more people have their phones. I'm using my iPad right now to do this talk. Like I've seen over the years, kids are just less and less happy. It takes more for them to be happy, to keep their attention than ever. And I think there's a direct correlation with the lack of faith and the lack of happiness that we have in our country. And that's why we want to reimagine religious education because to be honest with you, the church has been doing basically the same thing with religious ed for the past 40 years. And look where it has kind of gotten us. Um, we have 
The nuns were about 6% in the 1990s. They've grown to 23% 20 years later. Um, and I think that trend is going to keep growing unless the church, unless we here uh, in our local communities and our local parishes do the most that we can to tackle the problem. And yes, I think we have a great program in terms of it, in the classrooms and the things that Jerry does and the great catechists. And I, I think we have some great catechists in the middle school program as well. And I think, you know, I could give a good talk or Father Brian could give an amazing homily and it could be a great night. But it's still for the past three or four years, even with them going to Mass regularly, the 20 times a year that they see us, it's not enough. The numbers aren't switching. They continue this trend of people leaving the faith. So what do we do? I think we have to, as a church and as a program, we have to team up with, with you. We have to team up with the parents as much as we can. We have to give you the resources and the tools to help you grow your family of faith at home. Because, like I said, it's not the words that come from me or a priest uh, or one of their catechists. No one is more important than mom or dad. And no matter what age you are, if you hear your mom and dad say something over and over again and how important faith is, how important God is, nothing's more important than that. I don't care how many great homilies or great masses they go to, they have to hear it at home from mom and dad. And I know that's why you in, that are sitting in front of me you, you guys are the ones who, this does matter to you. That's why you're here. That's why you, that's why you came tonight. So we thank you for, for being here, but we want to challenge all of our parents in this whole program on the Barrier Island. How can we be better and how can we help you become more of a family of faith? So those are some kind of um, a little depressing statistics there. So let's talk about something a little bit less depressing. Uh, wine. Let's talk about wine for a sec. Uh, there's a Netflix series, or I think it was a movie, I didn't watch the whole thing, about um, the mas a master sommelier, which is like someone who's an expert in wine. It's supposed to be one of the hardest exams that you can take, like in the world. They basically put five wines in front of you, and you have to take a couple sips of each wine and guess uh, the region of the world it came from, the country, the year, the vintage, and uh, like some of the ingredients in it. Sounds like a pretty fun test to study for. Um, but it's one of the hardest exams in the world. Most people fail it. Uh, the percentages are people that fail this ma master sommelier exam. And I, I had me, like when I saw the Netflix series, it kind of made me thinking of like how I view wine. And I'm kind of like, the differences I know in wine is like red or white. Um, like I don't know a lot of differences in, in, in wine. Like my family makes fun of me all the time. Like a, a Cabernet or Pinot Noir is red, so uh, what, just give me a, I'll take a red wine, right? And over time, I got to know wine a little bit more. And, you know, when I'd go over someone's house, there's a lot of pressure, right? You need to, be, need to bring a wine over. If you're going to someone's house, you don't really know, or you want to impress someone with a nice wine. So, you know, you go to the store and you grab it and you come to the door and I'd be like, oh, I brought some wine for you. And I'd say, you know, I, I don't know if it's, I think it's good. The guy told me it's good. Um, I'm not an expert, but uh, they said it's good. It's from this year. And I start talking about wine like I have no idea what it is, but I'm acting like, I don't know, this expert told me that it's really good. Or I'm at a restaurant and the, the fancy restaurant, someone comes over, or, you know, looks at the book. Oh, you tell me what I, what I should have, because I don't know. You, you tell me, you're the expert. And I think a lot of times we do that with our faith, is when someone asks us, you know, why, why does your faith matter to you? Um, it's hard, really hard to articulate that. Um, a lot of times we end up quoting, oh, well, you know, it was important to my grandma, it was important to my mom, or, um, 
I don't know, the, the priest said it's important, and I learned that the church said I have to go to Mass, so it's, it's important. Uh, I don't know. They, said it, they say it's important, and we have a hard time personalizing it. Instead of, like, when I show up to someone's house with a wine, why don't I just say, yeah, this is 19 crimes. It's $10, and I really like it. Um, it I've, had, I've, had, I've had good nights with it, and I've, I like this wine. Or this is Josh. This is $13 wine, but I really like it. Um, this is the wine I'm bringing. Um, instead, we feel like, you know, I feel like I have to quote the experts. And I think we do that with our faith, where we don't, instead of just, instead of quoting the experts, we can't just say, faith brings me life. When I, when I pray, when I go to Mass, it, I feel like I can be a better person. I feel like, you know, God created everything, and everything I have is from Him, so I should, I should thank Him for it. Um, we have a tough time articulating that. So these nights, we want to, we're going to be giving you kind of handouts every, every once in a while to take home. We'll show you some videos that you can watch at home. You don't have to watch them here. And our hope is that we can help, help you tell your kids how important the faith is. Not that you're not doing that already, and we don't want to act like that isn't being done, but we want to give you the opportunities and the tools to maybe take it a step further and to deepen the faith at home. And again, you are, you're the most important person that is going to teach your child anything in this life. Um, I had some great, uh, some great religion teachers in my time in Catholic school, and I've heard some great speakers on YouTube that have really been inspiring. But nothing's stuck with me more than the moments in my life where, you know, my grandmother passed and I was in eighth grade and my mom talked to me about heaven and um, or my dad, you know, talked to me in times where I was, you know, struggling with friends or whatever it might be and talked about God and prayer. Like, those are the moments that I hold on to as a 29-year-old, not like the inspirational talks. So we want to reimagine religious ed. We want to do it together with you, and we invite you to kind of walk this year with us in these various nights that we'll offer. Uh, tonight is our first one. Uh, we'll be offering more um, in the new year. Uh, where maybe we, instead of talking about wine, maybe we can even have some wine uh, together um, and have and build a community, guys. That's, that's something else that I think is so important is build a community. I've realized in the middle school program, and I don't, I don't know the parents as well because I just don't see you guys until you get a little bit older. And now with everything going on with the pandemic, it's, it's hard to build a community. But if, if, our, if our children can see that the church is a community, it's not just a place of rules or whatever they might view it, or boring, like it's a community where they can come with their, with their family and with their friends. Um, I think that's how we turn this tide of the growing percentage of nuns and how we uh, can kind of go back to that clip in Lion King where you know, kids remember who they are, they know that they're loved, and they know that God is always with them. And like at the end of that clip where Simba, he's like, I'm going home, I'm, I'm running back home. The, your children will, will realize that the church is their home and this is where they're meant to be. So with that, I'm going to ask Father Brian um, to come up next and share a few things as well about uh, reimagining religious ed. Evening, everybody. You know, I'm uh, listening to Jerry and then and, uh, Mike. Uh, you know, we kind of, we sort of compared notes, but not, not a whole lot. And, realizing we're all kind of kind of saying the same thing from different directions and perspectives so 
But I think that's good because uh, I think it's just a couple, a couple of key points that we just feel so, so strongly about and we just, you know, maybe from different angles kind of make the same point. At least that's my hope. Um, I've got a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, he's a, a priest um, who comes from a huge family. He's, a, he's one of 14 kids. He's uh, 13, the 13th of 14. And uh, we, uh, this was uh, maybe 10 years ago, uh, there was a family in his parish that he's real close to. And, and then I got, kind of through him, I got to know. Um, so we were over there one, I think it was like a Saturday night um, in the summer, kind of a barbecue. And um, I think it was after dinner, um, uh, my buddy and I, uh, his name is Tom, um, we were out in the backyard and they got a couple of kids. So we were throwing the ball around with the kids, uh, kind of like waiting for dessert. And uh, I'm looking at uh, my friend uh, throw this, like a tennis ball, I think, kind of just throwing it back and forth. And uh, I was looking at the way he was throwing, like the form. Um, it was terrible. Like he was throwing like he had never picked up a ball in his life. and. Like he was so unathletic looking, I was stunned. And he's a good athlete. Like this is, this is what just wasn't adding up. I couldn't believe how, you know, the way he was. So I, typical friend fashion, I started making fun of his, his really lame uh, chicken arm. And I said to him like, what do you do? What's with that throw? And he goes, uh, kind of smiles and I can continue to make fun of him a little bit and he goes well I'll tell you why I throw like this and he uh, he told me that his dad so he was the 13th or 14th so his he had his parents had him like they were in their 40s so his dad was a World War II vet and he was wounded he was shot in the arm and as a result of that he was never able to extend his arm again like everything it was just kind of like this sort of a thing so as a little kid his father's throwing the ball around with him and what's this what's he doing as a whatever you are two-year-old three-year-old four-year-old throwing the ball with dad he just he just watched him he just watched what he did his father would pick up a ball and kind of throw it like this so this kid kind of just did the same thing uh and i guess he did it long enough and consistently enough where it was it was hard to break the habit um so I felt pretty, pretty bad making fun of him. Like, this is his hero father. Um, but it was just like, man, I was like, it was like one of these reminders of like the power of you, <laughs> the power of parents. Like, you know, and again, like this has now been said a couple of times, like you are the teachers. You know, they're, they're just like, that just kind of that, Reality or that point exploded in my face when I, he, he explained to me why he threw the ball the way he did. Um, I remember watching this interview with uh, Stephen King, the writer, the horror stories mostly. And he was talking about writing and it was kind of like in a, he was speaking in front of an audience of people and being interviewed. And he, uh, at one point he talked about the, the, the book uh, Carrie, Carrie, uh, movie, actually I think a couple of movies were made of it, remakes, uh, and he talked about uh, the inspiration for the character, and it was this girl he went to school with in Maine, I think it was grade school, middle school I think, 
and he described this uh, hopelessly shy girl that everybody tormented. Uh, he said that she used to wear the same clothes every single day. Um, and she was just this terrible target of meanness. Um, anyway, he, when he was writing this story about this kind of tormented character in this book, he, he went back to her and he kind of used her as his, his inspiration. And as he's telling the story in this interview, he kind of pauses for a minute and you can almost, if you watch it, you can tell he's kind of he's going off script a little bit. And he pauses and then he, and he starts to talk about her parents, the parents of this girl. And he was something to the effect of like, they, they, were, they, were, they were more troubled than she was. Like it was, it was no surprise in a way that she was the way she was when you looked at her very kind of like limited, troubled parents. Um, I think it was kind of the same point. Like, I mean, that's a sad, that's a, it's kind of a negative example. But like, just like the, I mean, think about it. I think about people you went to school with. You probably, like, you probably could connect those dots. Like, yeah, the, 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 the one that was maybe a little different, more often than not, you know, you had to look as far as home to kind of see maybe why the kid struggled the way he or she did. And it's, it's all about you. It's all about you, you know, the good and the bad. I mean, hopefully it's the good way more than the bad, but you just are the teachers. Like, we really are. We are so secondary in this. And that's just, I, I, it's like a, I think it's occurring to us, like the, the team, the catechists, you know, those of us who kind of get paid to kind of think about this a lot. Like that's just, I think in the last year or two, I think you said it, like the last couple of years, like, we're like, man, it's just, this thing isn't, like it's just not working. Like what's wrong? What's wrong? And, and I'm like, this is an awesome crew. Like, I don't need to tell you. Like, this is... The people that are in, in these parishes doing religious ed, they are not like... anywhere, I would say, almost, in terms of parishes. I mean, lots of parishes, you have directors of religious ed that are just kind of tired, and they're kind of shot, and they're frustrated, and they're past their prime. And like that's so like clearly not the case here, down here. I am so lucky to have this team. That being said, like I think it's like it's hitting us like our job, our mission, our task is to help your kids know who God is. To help your kids have a, a relationship with Jesus. To help further what you've already done. Like that's our job and it just can't be done. It can't be done effectively without you guys. And I guess on some level like I've always kind of known that but it's just it is just becoming clearer. Like you know it's like we get the six o'clock mass on Sunday nights and you know, again, pre-COVID, the kids would 
would be there in big numbers? What would be the, the most disheartening experience, I think, of my week? If I had the mass, I'd be coming around the front, outside, getting, walking up the front steps of the church. It's like a minute to six, or maybe a minute or two after six, if I, you know, maybe run a little late. And I'd be walking up the steps, and I, we call it the drop-off. And a car would pull up, and like there'd be two, maybe two kids, friends, seventh graders, eighth graders getting out. And then the mom or the dad just pull it off. And I would just be like, oh my God, like, anything we do in the next two hours, whether it's the mass or the class afterwards, is just undone. It's just undone. If the essentials aren't there, and you just, you know, in this, these months when we talk about what's essential, you just are. Um, so much so that I think we're just, we're just saying like, we just need you to be with us on this. And again, like kind of preaching to the choir tonight, I guess, because you're here. But it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work if, you know, back, I think in like January or it's a year ago, it was last year, and one of our catechists, they were coming down, coming down out of the building at the end of the night with his class, and I just said to him, how did it go? And he just kind of had this, uh, and this guy's awesome. His name is Sean. And he just kind of made that point. He's like, man, I, I can do what I hope is like a really good job in this 40-minute time frame. But he's like, man, but if it's, if, if, it's, if it's not being heard at home, I'm kind of just spinning my wheels. You know, when I was, I used to be at St. Anthony's High School. Most people probably know I talk about it a lot. I was chaplain there, and um, I got to be friendly with a, a religion teacher who was the baseball coach. He was the JV coach, and we just became friendly. His classroom was near my office, and we were both Met fans. So we talked Mets a lot, and, and he asked me one year if I'd be willing to coach, <laughs> be assistant coach, and I was like, I can't coach baseball. I mean, I. I played, I played Little League, you know. I wasn't even that good. Um, he was like, well, that's all right. I just, you're not going to be my, I was like the second assistant coach. He was like, you're not going to be my main man. But I was like, well, all right, I mean, I'll go to the games. He was like, no, no, I don't want you to just go to the games. I'd like you to be a coach. So I had to wear, like, the ridiculous uniform. You know, I was putting on, the, it was, like, crazy. But he, like, he got me to do it. And I remember being, um, you know, I would do very basic things. You know, I'd, I'd hit batting practice to them. And, but I, I felt like I, I didn't know anything really about the fundamentals of baseball. I can watch a game. I can, get a, I can enjoy a game. But, like, teaching it? And this was high school. I mean, it wasn't eight-year-olds. It was 16-year-olds. Kind of competitive. And, and, you know, I was scared to death of was a day when the assistant coach wouldn't make a game and I would have to be third base coach because I was like I'd be I'd be waving them home and it would be like the road that they should be stayed third I'd be I was afraid I was going to screw up the uh, the signs 
And I remember one day him just saying to me, he was like, Father, I just want you to be there. Like, they respect you just in your own way, in your own words, just talk about why the game is important. And when you think you can, tell them what you think you know. It was like, he wasn't looking for me to be a, a doctor of baseball. He kind of wanted, you know, and he was like, just tell them why you love baseball. And it kind of took pressure off. <laughs> when I still was desperately praying I would never have to fill in at that game. But that was just like, it, I think sometimes we put the pressure on ourselves. It's like the image of that car pulling away, is it like, oh man, you know, I want my kid to have faith, but I don't know what to say. It's like, I can't coach third base. You be the coach. Catechist, you be the coach, priest. DRE, you be the coach. It's like, no. It's a great episode of, uh, I, love the, I love, everybody loves Raymond, the show. Everybody does, I think, almost. There's an episode, I showed this at Mass about a year or two ago, and I just want to show it to you now. It's the, series, uh, the episode revolves around, uh, begins one day, and it's a Sunday morning, and the whole family's going out to church, and Ray is sitting on the couch in his pajamas and a robe, clearly not intending to go, and the rest of them walk by them, and they've got giving him grief because they're all going and he doesn't. And that becomes kind of like the theme of this little half-hour episode, kind of faith and church and why you go and why, you, they, why, why some go and some don't go. And this is, I think this great scene, listen to this, um, Jordan. You still consider yourself Catholic? What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, I'm Catholic, you can't change that. It's like being Italian <laughs> or... or Sexy. <laughs> so why don't you go to Mass? I, come on, look, it's not like I never go, right? And you go all the time, and, and according to this married thing, we are one. <laughs> okay. Now, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to make a big thing. I was just thinking about you and your father and, you know, why you got so angry about it. Because it's none of his business. Why don't you go to church? I don't know. I, it's, it's because of the kneeling, really. It's just, you know I have bad knees. You know, God can hear you right now. Let me finish. All right? That's not the only reason. That's it's one of them. All right, listen. When I go, when I go there, I should be thinking about God, right? I'm thinking about some column I'm working on. Uh, what's up with this guy's scalp? Oh, oh, that lady sneezed. I'm not shaking her hand. I'm not focused. I, I feel like I'm just going through the motions, and that's, that's not respectful, right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, you shouldn't go if you're just going through the motions. What are you doing? <laughs> What? I'm agreeing with you. No, you're trying to make me feel guilty. No, I'm not. Yes, just like my mother. Why do you have to insult me? <laughs> We're talking. And besides, you're the one that had to eat a whole pint of ice cream. If you're feeling guilty, it's not because of me. Let me tell you something. 
I practice being a good person every day, okay? I'm a decent fellow. I, I do good things. I, I, I always leave a big tip. If a, if a squirrel runs in front of the car, do I not swerve? I, I'm considerate of people's feelings. Remember the plumber who came over with the big eye? I treated him like a completely normal person. Okay, so, 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 why do I have to go to church every Sunday to prove my goodness? I'm living it. Well, you know, since you are so good during the week, maybe on Sundays, we should have everybody come over here and sit around you. <laughs> okay, all right. Why, why do you go, Miss Holy Moly? Why do I go? Yeah. I go, you know, to thank God for you and the kids and to pray for the strength to get through another week with you and the kids. Okay. Yeah. No, but, right. no, really. You know, I, I go to get re-energized, to be part of something that's bigger than me and my little problems. You know, it reminds me that I'm not the be-all and end-all or something out there that's greater than me. Why do you have to have an answer for everything? <laughs> and, and you know what else? I like the feeling of community, the tradition. And I think that's what's bugging your father. You know, he wanted to pass his faith on to you. It's probably the only valuable thing that he thinks he can give you. And you've rejected it. Okay, I need more ice cream. <laughs> You know, a lot of people would have made fun of that plumber, okay? Big Muppet Eye guy. I just thought that was such a great, like, where she's asked by him, so why? Like, why do you do, why do you go? Uh, well, he asks her why you go, and just her, her, again, it's not like uh, high theology. It's just, but I think it's so compelling. She just talks about, I'm reminded that, I'm not the center of the universe and that there's something out there bigger than me and community and tradition. Like, there's the teaching. Um, I guess we're just, we're asking you, like, to kind of do your version of that with your kids, like, why this is important to you. Why, you know, why do we go to religion class? And, I, and you know, and the, it, there's going to be a difference between, you know, your kid being, you know, if your kid is a first grader, the response is going to be different than a seventh grader. But they're just sort of this, to be, to be the teacher, to be the, like the vocal teacher. I mean, I just, maybe part of what we're saying here is there's like different maybe categories of where we're at with all of this. Like if, if you're like, yeah, I, everything is saying, like we're, I'm, we're, I'm on board. Like the church is a part of our lives. Well then, it's like just protecting, protecting what we have. And maybe if it's not that, it's more like I'm, I need to retrieve, a little bit like the, the Lion King. I need to, 
retrieve maybe what I've what I've lost. And maybe in some cases, like I never, we never even, I didn't, I, I, my kid is in the program, but it's just, it's not ever been faith that much a part of our lives. Maybe because of where we came from, and, and in that case, it's like discover. It's like protect, retrieve, discover. Um, this could just be a, this, this. This will be a great thing. This will be a great thing that we're doing. I think it's a great thing we'll be doing for the churches down here and your kids, but beyond here, because what we're kind of really asking for and what we're talking about isn't really. I don't think really being done anywhere. And. Uh, this is the first night of it, so thanks for being thanks for being part of it. Okay, um, just to wrap up, uh, we do have something practical for you to take home. Uh, each time you, you come here, uh, you can also get this online as well. Um, we'll have a handout that um, Jerry will be walking around with to give you. And it's kind of where I think we should usually start uh, with our faith. We're not going to go through it now. You can read it at home. But it's basically um, a guide to what we believe. What do we believe as Catholics? Um, there's five, five simple things there that, like, if someone asks us, what do we believe? This is what we believe, um, simply put. And then the question of, like, is there a God? I think we live in a in a world where people question, like, you can't prove it, or it's anti-science, or whatever it might be, and that's just not the case, um, that there's been, you know, the church has been at the forefront of science for generations. Um, like, when I tell the kids that the Big Bang Theory was created by a Catholic scientist uh, that was funded by the church, like, they're like, but that doesn't make any sense. Well, it, the church doesn't disagree with science. Uh, science is just an example of God's creation. Um, so there's a bunch of examples there. The one that's really helped me the most in, in my study of uh, proving God's existence and the evidence for it is that scientists came up with this basically mathematical probability that uh, you would have to roll, in order for the, the world to be created on accident, you'd have to roll a dice, uh, roll a six on a dice 70 times in a row. Uh, on the first try, and the scientists did like a whole probability for that and said that it would take you like 100 trillion, trillion, trillion times 15 trillion years to do that. Um, and that when the science looks at it, it's much more, it makes much more sense that there is a God than that there is not a God, according to the scientists. And I think in an age where kids are kids are just exposed to so much more facts and knowledge at an early age, it's important to back that up. And again, they might not get that. They're not going to get that probably at school. They need to get it from their parents at home. So this is a front and back sheet of some really important, I think, facts that have helped me greatly in my faith, uh, faith and using faith and reason, my mind and my heart, uh, to continue my faith in God and Jesus Christ. So please, um, Jerry and Tim, will hand that out to you on the way back. But uh, on your way out, we kind of want to leave you with this. Um, Please sit with your child this month, over the next two months, especially with Christmas coming up. The back of the sheet talks about this three-step program that has worked um, in teaching and at home with parents is tell them, show them, remind them. And there's just little things that you can, phrases that you say to your child or a conversation that you have, if it's the first time or not, or just reiterating things that you said in the past. Um, telling them, 
consistently showing them with your actions, um, telling them, let's pray before we go to bed, let's pray before meal, let's go to church on Sunday, um, and then uh, rem- you know, reminding them. Tell them, show them, remind them, and being consistent. That is also on the back of that, uh, of that page. Um, so please, for the next one, we'll do one in January, we'll send out a date. Um, maybe we'll be able to be a little bit more social, depending on how things are with the, the pandemic. Um, and please tell other parents. Uh, we're so happy the ones that showed up today. Um, the ones that are here, you know there's a lot of, like, this is the minority that is in front of me right now, but we're just happy that people, someone showed up, that you are here. So please, you know, if, if you thought tonight you got something out of tonight and the handout reaches you in some way or the curriculum that we're putting up online, like, talk to other parents about it. Uh, invite them to come with you uh, to one of these nights, and we hope that we continue to build this community. So let's just end with a prayer. Um, we can talk about this all night long, but um, we need to pray as much as we can for our, our children and, and for this, um, this program. So let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray for our children. Um, if you're here and you're a parent, think about your children right now. Think about them by name. Personally for me, I'm, my wife is pregnant and she'll be giving birth in two weeks. So I'm thinking about my child on a night like this. and Think about your child, how much you care for them, how you want this faith that matters to you for them so that they can always remember who God is, that he loves you, that he loves your child and that the church is your home. We pray for all those affected by the coronavirus, all those who go without. As we pray to our, our Heavenly Mother, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 7.59, we did it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Jerry and Tim will give you a handout on the way out. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask any one of us. Thank you so much.